0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're about ready
1: to get going. Yeah. Talk shoes. Recorded live.
2: A-U-N.
3: The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredible capability by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar? The public or the godfather?
1: All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square, or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs.
3: My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome.
0: It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit, Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston,
1: Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Hey, thank you, everyone. Every Thursday we've been doing this for 425 weeks. It's it's incredible to think, but uh, since 2008, uh, we we, we started this call, actually 2007, excuse me, in May of 2007. It's always good to have a, a, a refreshing guest to come on our call to talk about the fundamentals of spirituality, of our Christian heritage, not just as a nation but as a community, and especially in reference to the downtrodden, to those who are suffering from uh, any number of different uh, psychological issues. Uh, It could be a harm done on them by a close family member, by a close friend. Uh, There are all kinds of things that, that happen in our world that I have not been given a voice that have not been uh, revealed to the light in a, in a humane, loving, caring, forgiving way. And a uh, hat's off to our guest tonight, Danny Wallace, founder of Danny Wallace Ministries, who has given voice to uh, an, an unspoken uh, part of our world, uh, childhood sexual abuse by those close of kin and, and close family, uh Danny has has worn this story and he's given light to this story and he's on our call tonight to s- make a special presentation entitled Boundless Freedom in reference to a new book that he has out called Think with Ink. Danny is a is an author, he's a musician, a minister and uh he's a, he's a uh, uh a wonderful gentleman of the cloth of our Christian heritage to be speaking on, on not just his story but uh, really, a truly a story that affects us all. That should, if we accept it and understand it, should bring us all together. Danny, thank you for coming back on our call. We really appreciate thank it. Thank
0: you, thank you, Fred. That and that introduction sounded so well. I actually want to meet that guy sometime.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I
1: didn't recognize him there. Oh, wow, <laughs> he sounds cool. Well, I, 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 I don't know, but. Uh, Danny, we've we had you on a couple of times, uh, or well, maybe three times, but it, it started when that whole thing with, uh, Tiger Woods was, was, no, excuse me, Joe Paterno, for God's sake. That was the story. Joe Paterno, exactly. coach of Penn state was making national news, national headlines. And, uh-huh. uh, I discovered you online and felt that your, your story would be a, a perfect timing for that. And, uh, There's got to be more awareness in the last two and a half, three years to what's really going on behind the scenes uh, in in these areas. And uh, you've traveled all over the world. Uh, You've been to the Faroe Islands. You've been down in New Zealand, you said. And I've been following you on Facebook. And uh, thank you so much for what what you're doing.
0: And and please thank Lynn, too. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you. I'll I'll tell her that. And the same to you, Fred, we appreciate you and all that you're doing.
1: But boundless uh, freedom. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the 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 reference or the uh, the title to this this uh, presentation tonight. Uh, tell us more about that in reference to your book Think with Think. Think well. Uh, mm-hmm. as,
0: you know, as we as we discussed when I was on before, and you introduced uh, my history of you know child abuse and being a survivor there, and a large part of my ministry uh, because I have been on TBN, uh, the Seven Hundred Club, and different venues that have, uh, you know. I've been blessed for them to broadcast that uh, across about 120 countries around the world. Uh, so that message has been, it has been, and always will be a foundation of something that's very close to my heart because I'm a survivor, so I understand mm-hmm. all that's all that survivors go through. And it's one thing, you know, to survive the abuse. I think the greatest survival that is at hand then is learning how to be an adult in a world that basically is trained psychologically to protect abusers and to question those who have been abused, especially, you know, if they find the courage to come out and and, and begin to discuss these things later. Because We've discussed this before. There's just a psychological nature in us that, uh, that find those things unbelievable because we think we know the person, and and then we're hearing a description from someone that is totally contrary to that. So that's what we've discussed before, and, and all of that is detailed in my first book, Masquerade, um, A True Story of Unmasked Freedom. Then my second book, I think we talked about on one of my visits there, which was Man's Cage Under God's Tree, uh, Uh a book book about true freedom. If the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And every day, as you probably have noticed on Facebook and on my website at dannywallace.org under the blog section, every day I post a quote of the day and a Think With Ink article that coincides with that quote. And I've been doing this for, oh, gosh, I don't know, several years now. And so they've accumulated. I've got enough probably that if I had the time to organize it all, we could probably put out five or six volumes right now. But volume one of Think With Ink is just about ready to go. Uh, I was contacted by the editor yesterday. And they're just making the final edits. And this, uh, most of the Think With Ink articles uh, really speak from the true heart of uh, the foundation of this ministry, and I've discussed this with you before it is my pledge to live out my days on this earth under the same uh foundation of blessing that Jesus went to the cross to bring to all of us, and again, stop me anywhere in here if you feel like, well, hey danny, i don't see that at all, but uh Jesus went to the cross to bless us, not to curse us correct uh-huh are we are we okay there? He went there to love us without any condition, that we love him back. It was his honor to walk to that cross and to love humanity. And finally, at least, uh, certainly not least, he went there to forgive those who deserve it the least. And I'm certainly in that group. Uh, I feel that everybody listening would say, yes, I'm part of that group too. He went there to bless us, love us, and forgive us. And these are the treasures that he gave to us. So the foundation of this ministry and all that I want to pledge myself to, I wish I had since I was a young boy, but I can honestly say I didn't. Um, But at 61 years old, you know, you wake up and realize you don't have a lot of time left uh the moments like sand through an hourglass are quickly falling through and we're we've all only been allotted a certain amount of those moments and it's very important for us to stop realize assess uh, what am i going to do with those moments because they belong to me uh no one else is in control of my moments and what i decide to do with them and for me uh, if I can't say something positive that has a positive uh, outcome that that leaves somebody better than when I found them, I'll stand silent until those words find their way into my heart. Um, If any of you had been blessed to have a grandfather like I had, he quoted to me many times, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. And I think many of us have been taught this by wise elders across our childhood, how quickly we forget it. So think with ink. By and large, I would say most of the articles circle around this amazing thing called grace. And if you got just a second, I mean, some of the articles run long, uh, so I'm not going to use one of those. If I could, I'd like to quote uh, from one. It, it's just it, it's just a few paragraphs, probably about absolutely, three absolutely. Go, go right ahead. It, it, it's called "Set the Record Straight." It'll be found on about uh, page 27, 28 of. Uh, of the Think With Ain't book. Uh, But it says most of modern Christianity revolves around living our lives in such a way as to set the record straight. However, from the cross of Calvary, Jesus has forever set the record straight on our behalf. Our sins are remembered no more and cast as far as the east is from the west. Have you ever wondered how far that is? How far is the east from the west? It depends on whom you ask. If you ask religion, the distance from east to west may be no further than a man simply straddling state lines. <clears throat> religion teaches that our forgiveness is incomplete, and therefore any new sin places us in jeopardy of hell fire all over again. So by this belief, you may be standing on one side of right one day and completely on the wrong side the next. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. on the cross is far more than religion can see or ever understand. And maybe this is why religion nailed Jesus to the cross in the first place. They could not accept that the requirement of law, as outlined in the Old Covenant, could possibly be finished. Even though Jesus declared it to be so when he said, Teltelestai. In his final breath from the cross, which translated means it is finished. And the final paragraph, law is about running around in circles, trying desperately to please God. Grace is about flying high in the completed work of Jesus Christ. The law prepares us to die, and grace frees us to truly live. The difference is all the difference in the world. And that, that, as short as it is, I think could sum up the heart of, I would say, a good 90% of my daily quotes and Think With Ink articles. They may vary off of that subject some, but it's all going to come back to that central theme. Uh, it, It. Jesus brings to us words that that religion and man cannot seem to yet accept, and therefore we find ourselves uh, perpetually trapped in confusion, division, and chaos. Words like, it is finished, uh, complete, there is no further need for sacrifice. Words like, unconditional, Uh Sometimes I I don't think we were meant to have the capacity to logically understand all of that. Uh, But we certainly have the capacity and the gift within ourselves to simply believe it and to receive it and to decide in each moment to offer it to someone else. Let me give you an example, Fred. We may close this interview out. I may read somewhere online that Fred Smart said Danny Wallace is a heretic. He's a lunatic, and he is so theologically off base that – and he certainly – I'm not sure if he's liberal, conservative, or or a mixture of both, or if somebody shot him right between the eyes with stupid. But the guy was on our program last night, and in my opinion, that is the dumbest, biggest clown I have ever met. You have within your moment the right and the power – to say that, to print it, to spread it, but you do not control my moments. You don't control my heart and my thoughts. And I can tell you with the greatest sincerity that it doesn't matter what you say. It is my choice to see you as God sees you, and that is he gathers all of heaven together every time you walk in the room and says, come look at my boy. Oh, Fred, turn around. Turn around. Let me look at you. You make my heart skip a beat every time I see you. And I choose to bless you rather than to curse you. I choose to love you without any condition that you ever think or say a good thing about me. And even if you say the worst of the worst, it is my personal choice with the moments that have been allotted to me to offer you the kind of forgiveness, that was offered me the day mercy crossed the road on the very worst day of my life. So that's, in my opinion, those people, no matter what the problem is, no matter what the confusion, no matter what they come to us burdened with, the the biggest dose that America needs, that the world needs, that pe- all of us struggling in, whether it's financial chaos, personal chaos, family chaos, Uh, past abuse, chaos, it doesn't matter what the subject is. We need a great dose of unearthing those three treasures of blessing, love, and forgiveness deep within ourselves and then pledging ourselves to be the kind of person that unearths it in all people. Now, you all can go ahead and kick me off the program and say, okay. No, no. no.
1: (laughs) Danny, uh, explain... um... Where grace fits in, is grace like the blanket that connects those three together?
0: Well, grace is the new covenant promise of God. Listen, uh, we could sit here and, and, and break it apart and go through Scripture after Scripture uh, yeah. for a while, but uh, it it is well established back in, 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 the, uh, in the prophet Jeremiah, in the book of Jeremiah, where God said that you know if the old had been sufficient, there wouldn't be need for a new. But he said the day is coming. When he is sending new and better promises, and he said this time, uh, he made two very important statements. He said they will not be etched in stone, they will not be uh, they will not be carved in stone or written on parchment. Uh, so the only, I mean, the only laws of God that were ever etched in stone were the Ten Commandments. So he said these new promises I'm sending will no longer be etched in stone, and they won't be written in parchment. Where did he say they would be written? He said they will be written on the lining of your heart. And he said when they come, in other words, when this new covenant comes, these new promises will set the people free. When Jesus came, he came with nothing more on his plate. Uh, by his own words, I, I'll quote you a verse that you're never going to hear quoted before by any man in any pulpit because they don't want to touch it. And that will be John 12:48, where Jesus said that even if, a man, if, even if a man hears my words and he does not believe them, I will not reject him. And then he explained why. You want to know why? He said because I did not come to reject the world. I came here to save the world. And these, this gift of grace, that is, it's not ours. We can't touch it. Uh, think of grace like this. Think of you going into the finest art museum today, and you behold an original, unearthed, never seen before, Picasso or Rembrandt. And it's on display, and you are in awe. And you look at that thing, and, and there's, no, there's not even a price put on it, because this thing has just been unearthed, and, and everybody has declared this thing to be without price. It is priceless. And you, Fred Smart, stand there and look that thing over, and you get up real close to it, and you are just in all yourself until you discover this little place that if old Picasso had just had a little more red right here, and you reach in your pocket and you pull out a red crayon and you just do a little touch-up to that thing while you're standing there and all of a sudden the bells and the alarms go off in the dark and you wrestle to the floor. Why? Because the moment Fred Smart decided to touch priceless, he made it what? Worthless. Yeah. It's, now, wow. it's, it's now worthless. It has no value. So I would submit to you that by and large, most of what we have chosen to call Christianity is nothing more than picking up a crayon to touch up a Rembrandt, which is what religion has always been good at. Let me tell you something. Religion had the Torah, the law of God, memorized from cover to cover. They could quote it without fail. Now, they didn't live by it, as Jesus carefully pointed out in Matthew 23 when he dressed that crowd down a little bit. But they had it memorized, and they beat people to death with the portions they were willing to keep. So uh, when they met the living Son of God, Eyeball to eyeball, nose to nose, face to face, with him coming not to reject anyone, but to save the world, to bless people, to love them without conditions, to forgive the sins of the world. When they encountered the Son of God in all of their wisdom, with all of their law, and with all of their scripture at their disposal, they didn't have the power to recognize the Son of God when he was standing right in front of them. They had no idea who he was. They thought he was a lunatic, a heretic, and one thing was sure about him. All of the sinful multitudes that they had beaten to death and rejected, and those sinful multitudes, pardon me for saying, had virtually given the Pharisees and and organized religion the middle finger because they had said, you know, uh, to heck with you and the horse you rode in on. Uh, We have been there, done that, and bought that T-shirt several times, and if that's all you've got to peddle, forget it. We just soon, you know, live like a bunch of derelicts and die in a mud hole. We don't want it, but when Jesus stepped to the scene, what does Scripture tell us? Those same sinful multitudes loved Jesus. They were following him by the multitudes, hanging on his every word. Why? Because grace doesn't stand and point at a field and yell dirt. Helen Keller could do that. Any blind, deaf, and dumb person can point at a plowed field and yell dirt. That's obvious. It takes the anointed of God to place loving hands deep into the dirt to unearth the treasure that is in every person. Religion points at people and says, violation of law, sinner. Jesus sees us as the treasure of his Father, and he places loving hands deep into our heart, the heart of every person, to unearth the treasure of God that's in everyone. Now, maybe, maybe I'm totally off base. Maybe it's better to just point out maybe, uh Maybe people have read the Scripture and believe that it is true that sets us free. Because how many times do we hear people say, well, now, wait a minute, Danny, I hear, you. I hear you, I hear all that love business, that blessing business, but, you know, you've got to tell people the truth, too. No, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You're not suggesting that we tell them what Jesus told them. You're suggesting that we point at their moment of truth and condemn them the same as the Pharisees were willing to condemn. Now, everybody has a moment of truth. It doesn't take a genius to see a man who's drinking himself to death and point at him and call him a drunk. It takes someone with a completely different agenda, though, to see beyond that and to see the brokenness and to bring something to this man's life and to his heart that leaves him better than the way we found him. Does any of that make any sense?
1: Absolutely. Very well said. Very well said, Danny. Uh, man, <laughs> I love the 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 image of the hands in the dirt. Uh, you know the the grains of dirt and 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 that that you know are within our soul that uh, as a result of life uh, are, are pleading to be washed away or pleading to be exposed or refined or, or, or dealt with. And perhaps that's Mm -hmm. where, you know, what, what process, the kidney does this, the blood and everything else, but there's still spiritual grains of dirt and, and aspects that we all have, have encountered through our lives. We do,
0: exactly. Well, let me give you a simple little analogy. If, you've got,
1: if, if everybody
0: listening has just three objects in front of you, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a thimble and a glass and a coin. I don't care what it is, just three small objects. Place them in front of you. Put one to the far left, one in the center, and one to the far right. If you got just a minute, or, or imagine them in front of you for a moment. Now, I'm going to give you the difference between law and grace. I'm going to give you the difference between what the Pharisees and the living legacies of those Pharisees that literally permeate the earth today bearing the name of Christ because his famous name does fill the seats. I mean, they're not going to deny the name of Jesus because it's Jesus who puts people in seats. But once they get them there, most of what we 're hearing is just a legacy carried over that the Pharisees were dispensing, and nobody wanted any part of it um, so if you've got those three objects in front of you, one to the left, one to the center, and one to the right now i'm you and I, all of us listening we 're that guy in the center, okay, and we're hearing our broken. Whatever that brokenness is, we're hearing our pain, we're hearing our suffering, we're hearing our confusion, our condemnation, we've been told we're worthless, or, or we've been abused, or, or, or we know by our own accord and our own mistakes that we're just a failure and we don't know how to dig out. And maybe some of us even listening are at the point of suicide because we're so despondent. Whatever it is, we're that, we're that object in the middle. Religion comes in, and this is the message of religion. It says, you're never going to be any better than you are right there, buddy, until you walk away from your darkness. You're bound by darkness here, and you need to walk away from your darkness. Let's think about that a minute. Look at that object to your far right. That is Jesus Christ. That is the free gift of grace that has cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. It is, it, is, it is the blanket of love that is beyond all we can understand. It is freedom at its purest. It is the light that is God and God alone. Look to your left. Who knows what that is? But it's just more darkness. So now the theory is, if I'm going to be any better... I need to walk away from my darkness. Move your center object to the far left. You're now further away from Jesus, the light, and the truth, and true freedom than you were when you started. You don't find freedom by walking away from your darkness. You find freedom by simply walking to the light. And in doing that, you just automatically leave the former darkness behind. How many sparrows have you ever seen wallowing around in a mud hole? How many? And here's what I want to submit to you, that every person that we feel prone to judge and condemn and walk around and take a wide berth with because we don't want them tainting our holy and self-righteous life and we don't want any of their mud getting off on us, Uh, we, We have no problem standing there in all of our religious regalia pointing at them and saying, sinner, and calling them a pig, wallowing in the mud hole. Well, that's what they believe they are. That's why they're in the mud. I tell you that by the finished sacrifice of Jesus Christ, there are no pigs there may be a lot of people that look like them, and they're over in the mud hole because they have not heard this wonderful news, and they believe they're pigs. But the moment you walk over to that pig that seems to be acting like a pig, and give them the good news that I just gave this audience tonight, and tell them what has been done for them of no accord of their own. It is absolutely unconditional. They don't bring us thing to the table to complete what has been finished by God himself. And you immediately tell that thing that looks like a pig wallowing in the mud, you you mean you didn't know you were a sparrow? Well, you are. You've been a sparrow since 2,000 years ago, well before your mom and daddy ever thought about having you. Do you not realize who and what you are to the living God in the moment? That person understands who they truly are, then they jump out of that mud hole, test the, the dirt off of them, and they begin to fly. And you say, well, you, you can't tell people that, Danny, because that's a wise sin. Well, it looks to me like they're already in the mud hole, right? I mean, people seem to have no problem sinning whether in church or out of church. So that's not a license to sin. If I can if I can give you wings to fly, once a guy discovers he can fly, I can't tell you where he'll fly to. I can tell you where you'll never find him again. He won't be wallowing in the mud. I dream every night, Fred, of flying. I was a little boy, abused. I, I dreamed I was Superman. That's how I survived. I loved anything that could fly, and Superman was my hero. We've talked about this before. I used to, I wrote my second book, Man's Cage Under God's Tree, because I used to catch red male cardinals in a crude trap in my backyard to put in a a cage that my grandfather had given me. Why? Because my dad would kill all the puppies that a stray dog would have under our home in rural Alabama. And I wanted a friend. I wanted a puppy. And my dad knew it. And he would kill every one of those puppies. And I didn't. Oh, need to keep them. Oh my gosh! Oh my so I so, so I loved birds. I would sit and watch them, and I loved them to this day. I can't. I don't even have the time to go into you of all the symbolism that God continues to show my wife and I at very strategic moments in our life using a red male cardinal. They show up at the oddest places at the oddest times. But I used to catch them, and I would put them in the cage. And I'll never forget my grandfather, my dad's dad had bought me this cage at a flea market. And the first time I ran across the cotton field and showed him my cardinal in this cage, I was so excited. You should have seen the look on his face. He looked at me and he said, Danny, you can't keep that bird in that cage. And I said, why? He said, because it'll die. It, it wasn't meant to be in that cage. That bird was meant to fly free. You can't keep it in there. And I thought, I, I thought well, this old man's lost his mind. Uh, die? This thing's not going to die if he had any idea what I'm going through at home, and why I need this bird, and how much I need this. I love this bird. I'm going to I'm going to sing to it. I'm going to feed it. I'm going to talk to it. Uh, do you hear the context here? And it's why I wrote and came up with the title, Man's Cage Under God's Tree. It comes from a famous quote that I love that says, God loved the birds, so he invented trees. Man loved the birds. So he invented cages. Do you see the contrast? Do you see the contrast? And do you see the difference? See, I loved the bird, but for what? Do you hear everything I just described about you? Yeah. I I need a friend. I need I need him near me. I need I had to have him in this cage because he would fly away if I didn't put him in the cage. But I'm going to sing to him. I'm going to see him. I'm gonna, my, my grandfather was so correct because. Every one of those male cardinals that I would catch, no matter how careful I took care of them, the first thing I would notice about them after they had beat themselves halfway to death, trying to establish where the boundaries were, and it didn't take them long to figure out, there ain't going to be much flying in this bird cage. This is as far <laughs> as I can go. And they would come to rest in the center of that cage, and the first thing they would lose is their voice. It's what happens to all people who have been condemned. They lose their voice. Every abused child will tell you it's the first thing I lost, my relevance, my, my. do I matter? Does anybody hear me? Does anybody see me? Do I really matter at all? And so the bird would grow silent. And after a while, it didn't matter how much food I put in or how great the food was, the bird would stop eating and they all died. This is what religion brings to the table in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, keep in mind, it's that name that fills the seats, so we cannot omit it. And who would dare to omit the wonderful name of the Son of God himself? Nevertheless, if we will observe closely, once religion gets you in the seat, that name is all it needs, and that has served its purpose because from this point on, you're going to get various doctrine after various doctrine, this set of rules on top of this set of rules, uh, this thou shalt not and this group of thou shalt nots, and none of them match. And also, you don't have to drive up too many streets in America and just count the denominations or, or drive up a country road in Alabama. And count the number of little churches that have about 25 cars in the parking lot of the very same denomination that you could throw a rock and hit each one of them from a from a singular spot, which tells everyone, heck, these people don't even like their own kind. They don't even like one another. They've been together at one time, and then somebody voted on Biden the wrong color of toilet paper for the church, and all of a sudden they got together and had a business meeting, and they split up, and one of them took the the song leader, and one of them took the pastor, and and then they've gone in in different directions, and yet they wonder why the quote-unquote sinners of the world are coming into god 's house on Sunday, well, because they've driven past your houses, and they've already figured out if you don't even like your own time, what would lead me to believe that you'd have any higher regard for me? A person who is obviously not in the loop, a person that has been declared to be nothing more than a pig and a sinner they we need we need people Fred to uh I think take a moment to step away from all of the nonsense we've heard in the name of Jesus and just open up our Bible and take nothing but those red words that are attributed to Jesus himself. Hear what he said. Hear how he treated people. Hear what he left heaven to bring to the table of life for all of us. And if we can get ourselves caught up on that, I tell you what, I'll I'll boil it down even simpler than that. The same as Jesus boiled it down for all of us when he said, Let me just let me let me make it so simple that the kings and a down syndrome child can equally embrace this. The summation of the entire law and every prophet who has ever lived or spoken, Jesus said is summed up in this one sentence. Treat all people the way you would like to be treated. Now, there was no comma. There was no but. There was no addendum to that. Jesus said, if you want to solve your chaos, you want to solve all of the, all of the enemy's confusion that's going on around you. I can make this so simple that there's not a person who could say, I just couldn't, I just couldn't understand the formula. I don't think there's anyone listening to me right now that could not understand how about you just decide to treat all people, not a few, not the ones who are like you, not the ones who vote like you. Not, not, it doesn't matter what they look like. When I encounter them, no matter how they're treating me, I intend to treat them the way I would like to be treated. Love covers a multitude of sins. Not my words, words from a far greater one than me. And that, I know this sounds simple, and I know it sounds too simple, and I know in our current America where we've turned to politicians and the mechanics of politics to be our new savior, and I would submit to you how's that working for us, Uh, I understand that this all sounds like lunacy, but at the end of the day, after we've tried everything, doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it behoove us to just simply stop and try the simplest thing of all that the author of the universe suggested to us when he came to save
1: the world? Absolutely. And uh, and so for me,
0: we talk a lot about freedom, but I don't think very many people want freedom. Uh, our idea of freedom, for instance, in America, no matter who we are, most people's idea of freedom is you're free to be like me. So whether we're a Democrat, a Libertarian, or a Republican, or a nothing at all, doesn't matter. Everybody's been trained. they They think they understand freedom. They think they want freedom but everybody wants their version of freedom. I want freedom for me based on how I like it and the things I believe in. If you don't walk to the beat of my drum, then I don't consider you free. Uh, And so all of these things become dividing issues in our everyday personal lives, uh, on the grand stage. Um, We no longer have an America that even has the comfort. Let me tell you something. I, I, I'm 61 years old, so thankfully my sons have already been raised, and I certainly didn't raise them at the foot of political platforms. Uh, I tried to raise them at the foot of unconditional love, to let those boys know. When I, I prayed for sons, I had been abused and I had been used, and I wanted boys because I wanted some sons that I could look in their eye and tell them, "I, you, every time you walk in the room, my heart skips a beat." Uh, you, If my sons were convicted of mass murder, if they were sentenced to the gas chamber, I would be in the front row so that when they pulled that curtain back and, and, and I could look in my son's eye, guilty or not guilty, that's not the point. This is my son. And I would want to be there in that front row to look him in the eye and let him see me mouth through that glass partition, I love you. I want him to leave this world hearing that I love you. Uh, forgive me for being a little emotional, but I, wow. I, think if we, I think if we could see the importance of the living son of God leaving all of heaven, to to walk the road that he walked, to to even endure religion just a few steps from the cross, stepping up one more time to spit in the face of someone who literally had the power to just blink an eye. And legions of angels would have been on that hillside with swords drawn, and we'd had a Pharisee barbecue. But Jesus didn't come here for that. He came here for the men who chose to spit in his face. The same as those whose heart was broken to see him going there. If we could understand that what he was saying with his arms outstretched to the entire world, not just a piece of the world, but to everyone who has ever lived, to all who live, and to all who will ever walk the earth, Jesus was looking at us in the eye, down into our heart, and saying with outstretched arms, I'm not here for me, I'm here for you. And Fred, I think all of us, whatever our situation is tonight, if we can look in the eye of those God has placed in our circumference of influence, those that will read our writings, that will hear our voice, that will be blessed to be in our presence, that that they will sense and feel and hear from our words and from our spirit, I'm not here for me. I didn't make this journey for me.
2: I made it for you.
0: I made it for you. And that's how I want to leave people under the sound of my voice wherever I go. They don't have to like me. They don't even have to speak well of me. They don't have to understand me. They can label me a heretic. But I want them to hear from my lips and from my heart that you are the treasure of God himself. He loves you. He adores you. He has given his all for you. And when he said it is finished, when God says it is finished, then it is finished. If it doesn't look finished around you, that's not because it's not. It's just because deep in your heart, you still believe you bring something to the table to finish it. And you bring a setting straight of the record, but I submit to you that God has set it straight for you. And he has paved the way for you. And if God remembers our transgressions no more,
1: then who are we to recall them in everybody we encounter? Wow. Danny, you are priceless. So special, those words are so powerful, you know when you mentioned uh, god made God loved the birds, so he made trees, and you were talking about the cage with the cardinal in the backyard uh I've shared this on on our call a few more than a few times, but as a little child growing up back east in Connecticut, I love to climb trees. <laughs> And yeah. I would just hang out in the top or upper reach of those trees and listen to the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees and, and, and just the wind blow. And that's where I love to hang out. So it, it was like it, it, hearing you talk about the cage and the birds and then thinking of my childhood of, of climbing those trees. And I don't oh, know what yeah. drove me up those trees. But <laughs> uh, oh, my gosh.
0: Me, too. It's a wonder we didn't break our neck a few times, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, thank goodness we're we're a little more uh, durable and limber at that age. I think if I, saw, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't even have to fall off a of tree limb now. Oh, uh, uh, Yeah, I, I I totally identify with that. It's. Uh, Let me, you know, I talk to people all the time, and because of my past or because of my testimony and, you know, and and, and again, back to that foundation of, you know, being a survivor of child abuse and childhood sexual abuse, uh, obviously thousands of people like me. And uh, some of them, you know, are, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I mean, obviously, to even be able to talk about it, and obviously, I've got many critics for instance on the subject. So and it doesn't matter to me. I mean I bless the critics, yeah. I bless the fans. It doesn't matter. Uh everybody is of great worth. My greatest critic is is of equal worth uh to to the greatest fan I've ever had. So it, it's not about that. But what what I'm what I'm saying is the people who who write me they're they're all uh, all oftentimes because of my story they'll say, Well now Uh, You know, what I'm going to share with you, of course, it doesn't begin to measure up to what you've been through. And immediately I think there is no comparison. Let Mm -hmm. me tell you the the greatest abuse I ever endured in my life, and I have been raped by grown men when I was a child. I've been sold as a child, one time sold uh, to an old farmer for a whole weekend for nothing but a basket of tomatoes. And and that and that guy offered my dad a basket of tomatoes and a five dollar bill, and my dad held up his hand and said, "You keep the five. That's way too much." So I I know what it is to endure great shame and pain and and abuse, but I can tell you that uh, that was not the worst of it. The worst abuse I've ever endured are words of worthlessness. When Have you ever been in a room with somebody and you know you just don't fit with the crap? Listen, at, after all these years in ministry, I enter rooms all the time where you could cut it with a knife of, who's that clown? I mean, it's almost like, in other words, he's not on our theological level. He's not of our. He's not someone we even recognize as being in our crowd. And they don't have to say it. You just know it. And you just know you don't measure up. There is nothing in life like knowing you don't measure up. This will be controversial, but I'm going to throw it out there. I would submit to you that, that the greatest continuing controversy in the world today comes from nothing more than that. Because when Jesus Christ went to the cross in the gift of grace, under the promise of the new covenant, when he came to save the world, Scripture says there was no longer Jew or Gentile, there was no longer bound or free. We were all. He said, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. So immediately in that moment, the legacy and the lineage of Ishmael was as cherished as free as the as as the le- legacy of Isaac. Uh, Religion did not accept that and never has and doesn't to this day, and the core of Christianity rejects that. Uh, That group that is actually nothing more than religion bearing the name of Jesus so he can fill the seat at the heart of that great machine right there, they'll reject those words that I just said, but it doesn't make them any less true. So even 2,000 years from the cross at large, we do not see those two legacies on equal footing under the new covenant of God. In other words, there is one group that has always been told you are God's chosen. There is another group that has always been told you're nothing but the legacy of lying with a horn. You're, 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 not, you're not the father's legitimate child. But yet, Jesus came to change all of that. I submit to you that one group has heard the good news, the other group hasn't. One group is in a mud, mad, angry, fighting, digging. Uh, uh, they're violent. They're uh, you've seen it. I've been there as an abused child. There were times if I had a dollar for every time someone said, "Oh, nanny, you must be so proud. Your father is the finest man who has ever lived. Never walked the earth. He is so honest. He is so hardworking. He is so this," and I was being beaten and raped and sold by this wonderful man they were talking about. And I can tell you, Fred, I would go to bed at night with a file backing up in my throat.
2: And I can remember uh,
0: as a child. I can remember this was pre-grace for me. I'm telling you, there was a time in my life when I thought if I had the power to call down legions of angels and set some rear ends of fire, let I me mean, tell you something, I would put an end to that story and that legacy man, because I am sick of hearing it. Uh, this happens under condemnation. It happens under unworthiness. Uh, but I'm telling you something powerful happens. When one by one by one by one and even into the masses, we begin, rather than to be people who point at dirt, we begin to be people who puts anointed hands deep into the dirt to unearth the treasure of God that is in all people. All people, not just some. Why do people have worth? Simple answer. Because they breathe. Because they breathe. If they breathe, they breathe because God has breathed life into them. They are of great value. It is not their performance that God has called us to stand and judge and point at. He has called us to unearth what only anointed hearts of love and blessing and forgiveness are capable of unearthing in people, and when we do that, Fred, when we do that i'm telling you we see a change and we see a difference and 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 if you ain't trying it, I would submit to the listener don't argue with me until you do if you haven't tried it it's like my one of my grandkids the other day we asked them if they like uh uh grammy's uh dressing that she makes uh we call it dressing here in the south y'all may call it stuffing up there you know for thanksgiving dinner turkey and dressing here and and my, my my granddaughter said i don't like it and i said have you ever tried it she said well no i don't think i have and i said well then don't tell me you don't like it yet okay so before somebody tells me that won't work i'd like to see you try that just once and if you'll try it as much as you've been trying that thing that still keeps chaos and confusion all around you, you'll see a great change.
1: Hey, Danny, before you go, could you uh, bust a chord, figuratively, on the power of prayer and 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 how we can apply that and how you, what you you what you do uh, using that power and using that. Uh, prayer, prayer for me
0: is nothing more than for me personally. It, it is my heart constantly chit-chatting with my papa. Uh, okay. Jesus summed up. Jesus summed up prayer really well. Uh, he he told again the religious crowd. He said, "You love to pray your long prayers and to be seen and heard of people, but I tell you, you've already gotten your reward." He said, "If you need something." If there's something that's burdening your heart, just steal away to your little private place. And he wasn't necessarily talking about a particular place. He was speaking of a heart transfer right there. Just pull away in your heart. Climb up in your papa's lap. And he made it real simple. He said, tell tell your papa what you need. And he basically was telling us, and when you do, clean off a place for him to put it. Because if you, as as inferior fathers, Mm-hmm. know how to get, know how to give good things to your children, how much more does a God who has given everything for you desire to give you the kingdom and to give you the desire of your heart? So that's what I would encourage people to do. A lot of people are sitting here listening to me, I know, saying, well, hey, gosh, you know, he's he's either crazy as a loon or he's got something I ain't got because I don't have the capacity to do that. Actually, you do. If you have the capacity to hate, You have the capacity to love. That's all a choice. If you have the capacity to criticize, you have the capacity to bless. That's all in your choice. That rests in your moment. It rests with the power of your tongue and the decision of your heart. And a lot of these things, Fred, I I think it's a cop-out for the listener to say, well, I'm going to pray that God will give me the strength to start blessing people. Well, uh, let's let's don't pin that off on him just yet. Uh, Jesus said something uh, very important. He said, you can help anybody anytime you want to. There's a sp- particular passage, I can't even remember the exact, I'll get it for you, though, uh, where Jesus, out of his own mouth, he said, if you want to, you know, you talk about being benevolent or helping people. In other words, he was saying, that ain't even anything you have to pray about. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, blanket coverage. You have the ability to help anybody you want to help. That's strictly up to you. And so that, I consider blessing someone versus cursing them, helping them. If you can show me how pointing at dirt and telling somebody they're a dog and worthless helps them, uh, you know, I'll sign up for it. I've lived on the other end of that, and it produces nothing about. value. But I have also, I'm sitting here tonight as someone who is the full beneficiary and some very strategic and loving people being placed in my life, who at my worst point uh, chose to call forth and see in me what no other person could see and Mm -hmm. chose to tell me what I'm encouraging people to do tonight, to tell people that they're the treasure of God. So when you pray, here's what I would say. Go to God and thank him for what he has finished. If you want to repent of something and repent, uh, the definition of repent is nothing more than you've changed your mind. That's what repentance means. I have heard something and I've changed my mind. Uh, And so go to God and tell God, I have changed my mind. Uh, Yesterday I was hell bent on marching my little happy self up to so-and-so's front door and telling them how it is. And now, God, I'm still going to do the same thing, only today I know how it really is. Because when I march my happy self up to their door, I'm not going to tell them how any blind idiot could see them. I'm going to tell them how you see them what you have done for them, what a treasure they are in your heart and in your eyes. If people will do that, whatever you're facing tonight,
3: whatever you're
0: personally going through, it will chart a new course. If you're looking for miracles, you're about to see them. It is the beginning of
1: undefinable
0: miracles
1: in your life. Wow. Wow. Danny, that is something. Oh, my gosh. Uh, we have to open it up, Danny, for questions. Anybody out there a comment or a question for Danny Wallace? And we're going to have this hey, at Go ahead. Anybody? Yeah, that was Dave. Silly. Oh, go ahead, Dave.
4: Uh, Danny, I have uh, followed your testimony in the past and, found it absolutely wonderful. I uh, really don't want you to put yourself down anymore, but I do hear your heart. <laughs> Thank you, much. Um, Thank- at, at the same time, I'm someone who am religious and don't want to be, and want to be more like what you're describing. And I fail at it because I still have a hiccup, and I need to tell you about my <laughs> hiccup. Okay. Um. Um <clears throat> I am currently serving voluntarily under two different pastors uh under two different ministries one a homeless shelter and one uh a church okay and both both claim to be churches my okay. difficulty is uh beginning with the word of god it says that to be the pastor you're supposed to be the husband of one wife. And boy, that sure sounds religious to me. And a lot of people will tell me, well, it's just Paul who said that. It's not God. <laughs> I don't believe that. I believe that God said that both these men have been uh, married and divorced and remarried. They of them a couple times. And what I'm talking about is when they are mentoring me, and they're both trying, and I'm very trying, uh, uh, they... Uh, uh, First of all, I need I need to be mentored because I really haven't grown as I should have. Um, I won't go into all that, but I I was a Christian in 72 and I've uh worked as a merchant seaman and all kind of things and wandered and and or, or, so find myself still being a pharisee. Now Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and we're not supposed to if I completely follow you that's not what you said, but that's implied. The other thing no. is that <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, 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 the other uh, the other thing is that when I am using my heart, studying the Word of God in front of both of these men together, I don't mean those two men are together. I'm with them t- different times of the week, and I am trusting their mirroring me when I am asking them what God is saying in his word as we go through verse by verse, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm uh, mm-hmm. uh, Corinthians and, uh, mm-hmm. and the book of John every week. We're in all three of those books, uh, uh, taking one chapter at a time. And, and I fail to accomplish it partially because I cannot put my trust in these men like I want to, like you can't put your trust in your earthly father, like you wanted to at age five. Mm-hmm. Now, now, now the problem is not mine because God says that by the way near the gate few who enter in. It's not like everybody all come and, and everybody's permitted. Yes, Jesus came to die for every man's sin. That's true. But but even if I was Fred Smart, who dearly loves his son and is an excellent mentor of young men, and he goes to church and his if if it happens that his Catholic priest is is uh, messing with, with children. I'm not, mm-hmm. saying they, I'm not saying particularly parish. that's the case, but if that were the case, sure. the, the, this guardedness comes up in the heart recognizing that it's a huge problem for God mm-hmm. and man because mm-hmm. your life can be repeated by not being wary enough while you're trying to, to be available to be taught beyond your ability to receive by mm-hmm. someone who is, is appointed by God to fill that unique role of being a pastor. Okay. So, so, so how does how does what you say fit for those very few people who who have the gift of being a pastor? Uh, that's a, that happens at salvation. To to, I mean, I guess they're kind of Levite priests uh, or remnants thereof. Uh, uh, it's certainly not the ninety percent. It's 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 this re, it's this small chosen. Many are called, fewer chosen. Those people who are chosen by God and men. Become that, uh, and yet when you, through no fault of my own, as a fruit inspector find find that, that that their lives are not, they don't meet the minimum requirements to be a pastor, and yet you still find yourself needing mentoring, and you submit, like you did at five until you were seventeen. How do you, how do you balance that? I I can't get a handle on how to balance that in my own life. Uh, gosh, uh, you, you, you covered a lot of ground there, so I'm, I'm going to
0: zero in on one of your final comments. You said, uh, how do I balance that uh, as a man who is a fruit inspector? Uh, fruit, uh, let's determine fruit. The fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness long suffering, faithfulness, you know all all of that list uh, against such, there is no law no no spiritual law no 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 man- made law uh this is the fruit, this is the fruit of the spirit this uh so when we say we're inspecting fruit. What we're really doing most of the time is out of a long legacy and a trained, uh, we're, we're just trained over time uh, to judge the performance of man. Now, it, it's, it's odd that all of us in our life, uh, when we find ourselves on our own personal face, in the dirt, in failure, in despondency, at, our, at the end of our road, uh, we have no trouble praying for grace and mercy. We're so hoping that whoever comes my way will have been tuned in the night Danny Wallace was talking and if they didn't get anything at all I hope they got that line where he said that Jesus summed up all the law and all the prophets in this one thing. Just treat other people the way you'd like to be treated because I pray. I pray right now as I'm on my face, as I'm at my moment of greatest despair, in my moment of brokenness. And yes, I admit I know I deserve it. This is by my own accord, by my own hand, by my own decisions. I don't even deserve for a friend to come. But, dear God, please, if you send one, send me one who sees what no one else can see. Send me someone who is willing uh, to rather than stand here and, and point and lift his robe and say, sinner, and and to judge me and to condemn me, send me somebody who has cherished deep in his heart the commitment for all of his days to treat all people the way he would like to be treated. That's what you'll be praying for in that moment. Now, when we get on our high horse and when we kind of climb back up off of that place a little bit, oddly enough, there's a there's an Adamic nature down in us. Paul spoke of it, uh, where once we get just a little bit of sure footing, it doesn't take us long to, to begin to forget that. And, and, we, and we begin to point at others as if we can't even remember what it was like the day mercy crossed the road at our most undeserved moment. So uh, Paul equated it like this. He, if you read Paul's writings, you'll see a man who vacillated and struggled back and forth. Uh, Paul's basic heart and his commitment and all that he stood on revolved around this statement, I preach Christ and him crucified for the sins of the world. Paul said this to the church at Galatia when he got there. He said, have y'all fallen under a hex? Have you lost your mind? Are you so far from the cross that you now believe you can finish what you didn't begin in the first place? And he he spoke of grace, and he spoke of the completed work of Christ and the glorious new covenant that sets all people free with such a, with such eloquence and, and and that was that was a day that I'll guarantee you, Paul got up and did exactly what he encouraged people to do by some of the other buffoon things that Paul said on those days when he had forgot to do what Paul said, "I die daily," and he encouraged us to crucify that God of self that is so crucified. And unimportant, when we find ourselves on our face, praying for grace and mercy to come up the road to us, but so alive again, the moment we get our heads back up in the scriptures trying to establish where we may have it a little better than somebody else or we may be a little more right in our performance than somebody else, The new covenant and the grace that I'm speaking of and and the commitment I'm asking people to take takes us to a supernatural level that the logic you're asking asking these questions in cannot cannot get you there. And you've already discovered that. Otherwise, you'd be sitting right in the middle of absolute, joyous, glorious freedom. It wouldn't matter to you if a man had been married. 14 times uh, and called himself a pastor. If he was willing to love you and to extend you a helping hand and to, and to preach Christ and Him crucified, then you, uh, you would realize in your own heart that none of us are, are perfect. And God, and God has, not, I cannot find where Jesus said, go into all the world and decide who measures up. Jesus did not say, go into all the world and, 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 and call out sin. Where do you find it? Jesus didn't even do that when he came here. He said, I didn't come to the world to condemn the world. And, and, and he knew everybody's sin. He, but he said, I didn't even make the trip for that. I mean, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the lead dog of the pack. You want to know who the big rat in the barn is? It's me. Uh, when the word says that in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God, you know who they were talking about? Jesus could have easily said, hey, dude, they were talking about me. I'm the word, I'm the word that spoke everything into existence, and the word is standing here telling you that I did not come here to do what you find yourselves in this cage of religion uh, trying to do every day of your life. So Paul was saying, I've encountered that myself, and here's how to overcome it. If you think you're going to crucify yourself today and he'll stay dead, uh, oh, think again. Because as soon as your eyes open in the morning, if you don't realize that the first dude I need to put in the grave before I take another step today is Danny Wallace. I know that every morning my eyes open. That's the bird I need to kill first thing. Because I know him, he's always we go read his emails and somebody thinks he's the best thing since fly bread and I might be stupid enough to believe it. Who knows? Uh So the first thing I need to do is realize and and, and preach to myself and tell myself exactly what I've told you today. I didn't make this journey for me, but I made it for you. I made it to be the guy who would sit here tonight and tell you that the things that the enemy would like to confuse you with are the only things he can come up with to deter the treasure of God completed by God's own sacrifice from the glorious destiny that he knows is already yours. It's not one you could have. Uh, It's not what you could be if you get all this stuff figured out and get it right. When Jesus said it was finished, it was also finished for you, brother. And and, and the enemy doesn't want a clown like me coming along to encounter a logical guy like you who who has a – it's obvious you have a sincere heart. Uh, But it's also obvious to anyone listening to our exchange right now that you are a powerful, loving, sincere, precious treasure of God Almighty. Why else would the enemy try so hard to use such trivial things to derail you from the majesty of all that Jesus has accomplished on your behalf? So I would encourage you to do this. In the days ahead, treasure the men whom God has brought to you who are willing to love you and to pray over you and to encourage you. These will be my final words on this, and everybody listen closely. We bless, love, and forgive all people. You don't have to step on anyone to get to your destiny. But rest assured, You will have to step around several. And whether you pull someone close or whether you choose to step around,
1: you bless,
0: you love, and you forgive them all. If you're about to step around somebody because they're not speaking hope and encouragement to the destiny that is already yours, then have the wisdom to politely step around that person but be careful to look over your shoulder as you do, and bless them in the name of the Lord. Love them without any condition that they measure up to your expectations. And forgive their every transgression, whether, whether conscious or unconscious. And God will take you, brother, exactly where he has promised to take you. Because I'm telling you, uh, you're trying real hard to figure out and to finish what has already been accomplished for you. It has already been done.
1: Danny, uh, uh, hats off to Pat Wallen, uh, Dave Wallen's uh, lovely wife, uh, a, a, a true uh, partner in, in in his walk through life. Just want to shout out to Pat back there, just like in reference to your, your wife, Lynn. Oh, amen. Yes. Thank you so much. So uh, thank you, David. Anybody else a comment or question for Danny? Just star six the phone.
2: Danny, I just wanted to say thank you. You're so
1: inspiring and and a heartfelt visit from you. It's been a really nice, pleasant, (laughs) blessing. Thank you.
0: Well, it's always pleasant uh, for me uh, to be on this program. I've never met. Fred, personally, but uh, we converse online, and I must say this. I I don't think I've ever been in Fred's literal presence via Word or Internet where he writes to me or we are in these type of interviews uh, that I don't feel blessed to have been there. Humble heart, humble spirit, and I feel the same from you, and every time I've ever been on... Uh, even though this will sound stupid to you, it's like I'm able to sense from the other side of, of, of even people that are sitting there that may not be asking or we may not be hearing from. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying everybody agrees or everybody even understands what I just said, but uh, but I do sense uh, a willing heart and respectful hearts, and I think that comes uh, that usually trickles down from the people who are heading something. If you go in a company and everybody is so nice and they're treating everybody nice, I'll guarantee you when you get to the president or the CEO of that company, you'll realize that that has been deeply uh, trained and, and and taught from the top and it trickles down. When you go into a place of chaos and a place where people are disgruntled and a place where people are treating people badly, uh, that apple didn't, fall too far from the tree so so thank you guys again for having me on and thank you for your hearts and for your spirit and for your kindness uh lynn and i both are are just blessed to to uh be affiliated with you in any way whatsoever it was an honor to be here
1: bless love and forgive those are the three words those are the three channels that uh, danny brought all together in one what a powerful presentation danny Thank, Thank you sir. so much. Thank you for uh, all that you do, and we'll be looking forward to uh, getting the details about that book. Uh, the people right. can can get when it, when it comes out. And uh, boy, I, I I would love to get rid of that cage and just <laughs> kick, it, kick it down the kick it down the basement, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, go to go to today. Just go to the furthermost point of the boundaries that either you have set for yourself or you've allowed others to set, and just in love, blessing, and forgiveness, just just reach down and pull them up and keep on flying, okay?
1: Okay. <laughs> Danny, thank you so much. God bless, and, and thank you. We'll, we'll have you back on. Thank you thank so you, much brother. again. Good
0: night. Good night. Thanks,
1: everyone. This will be a wrap. We'll get this all out uh, via MP3 for everyone to share. Thanks again, everyone. Good night, and God bless. Ground Network.